Welcome back to the MGO Fish Show. My name is David Arnold, your host, as always. Also, as always, joined with me is good friend Stephen Asentoski of the MGO Fish website. Video man extraordinaire. He breaks down film on recruits, uh, breaks down film on the football team, and he also makes incredibly hype videos. Isn't that right, Stephen? I sure hope so. That's that's the goal. That's How right. How you doing, David? How you doing, David? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful summer week. You know, it's kind of like that transition point where you can tell football is coming. So instinctually, your mind is thinking summer is almost over. Fall should be coming any minute now. When I step outside, maybe I'll get a crisp breeze. No, it's like 90 degrees outside right now. I was going to say, man. Like, not, it, not even close. It hasn't hit me yet. No. I, I'm waiting for it. I'm ready for it. Well, all the football news we keep on hearing about, you can tell football's almost here. The tip of your tongue, tip of your nose, it's there. It's just a matter of now it actually has to get here, which means, you know, it is, quote unquote, week zero. It's starting soon. Yeah. You, you're going to be watching some college football this weekend? I will. I can't believe it's... Who is it? Florida State, Miami. Uh, the non-Tate Martell starting quarterback for Miami. I, I, think, I, I think it's, is it Florida, Miami? Or Florida oh, State? You might Florida. be right. Yeah, I think you're right. Regardless, Tate Martell will not be starting. Tate Martell, <laughs> in, unless he gets some play at slot receiver, which oh, is a possibility. I, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's, that's a tough change. But but no, man, I'm excited. That's uh, I'll be locked in just like, just on the couch in the morning watching... Uh, Watching college some highlights, game day. watching college game okay. day. Are, are you a college game day guy? You know, I think there's like two solid classes of college football diehards. They're, they're, at least, in, unless you're off tailgating at your, your home school. There's the yeah. people who love college game day and the people who like seriously want anything to do but game day. Yeah. But, so I, I used to, in my old uh, living room, had a two TV setup. Yes. So on the top, on the top screen, I would have... NCAA 14. No, and Steven, I was literally about to say the same thing. <laughs> I, you know, for all the way from the time I was 13 to probably 23, with the exception of the years I worked for the football team yeah. at Bowling Green. Every other year except that, though, I would always at least have two TVs, and I would do Dynasty, not on top of each other, but one next to each other, and I would do a Dynasty literally all day. Literally yep. all day and watch football, including college game day. Yep. That that was my morning tradition. Have the coffee, have some dynasty going. You know, I think, I think I started with Middle Tennessee State a few times. Uh, believe it or not, Murfreesboro, so, Tennessee. Yeah, that's. But, uh, oh, but Steven. I, so I'm not a big fan of uh, college game day. I wouldn't say like I'm a huge fan, but passively, like if I'm doing something else, you got to throw it on. That's right. You do have to throw it on. I'll tell you, Chris Fowler is like the perfect host for one of those shows. I've just oh yeah always thoroughly enjoyed him. And once they added Desmond to the crew, that obviously made things a lot better as well. Yeah, um, for sure. Definitely in the same boat as you where it's great passive entertainment. I wonder, for our generation, and you, what, you're a few years younger than me, but, yeah. but this like solid millennial age of like 25 to 40, <laughs> the two TV setup, Saturdays, college game day, plus NCAA football dynasty, that is yeah. like a large percentage of American males in that age group. It's the way to do it, man. We, we tapped into something. We, we all have the same mind space. We all figured it out. Uh, we, we cracked the code. We per- figured out how to do it. That is perfection. <laughs> that is that is all of my nostalgia right there in that, that one single day every yeah. Saturday. And, and I've just been trying to crawl back into that, 
into that hole ever since. Yep. Yep. Yeah, man. Wow. It's right there. Actually, I mean, we got less than a week to go until we, we can do that again. Me gotta, and, and, and that's right. We have to enjoy it because you never know when you're going to have kids, Stephen. And once you have, once you have kids. <laughs> I think you do know when you're going to have kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, but me, as in, as in next week, I could right. be having my third daughter. Yeah. Um, let me tell you, you, Stephen, though, you without children. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can, man. That's true. Enjoy those Saturdays. Yeah, I still get my time in. You know, I'm yeah, 28. Yeah. I still play video games occasionally, like if I get the chance. Yeah. And I've got a dynasty going actually on my PlayStation 2 with NCAA 09 on the PlayStation man, 2. I'll tell you, man, this is, this is a conversation for another day. <laughs> but I genuinely enjoy the PlayStation 2 NCAA video games better than the PS3, Xbox, Interesting. Versions. Xbox do they, do they still versions. have like the phone call, like call the recruits on the phone? And Not stuff quite. I think their recruiting is superior to NCAA 14. Oh, or, uh, oh, and I think 14 was more superior than any of the other PS3 versions. Man, sure. I, I hope anyone listening to this <laughs> plays video games. Because well, the PS2 one, you, you can recruit only like 10 people in season. Oh, really? They got to recruit okay. everyone else in separate. It's, it's superior, man. It's better. It feels more realistic. I can play a whole game in 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, get yeah, instead in. of like a two hour ordeal. Yeah. Yes. It, it's a, it's a super escalated you know, yep. version, but I mean, it's still, it captures the same nostalgia in such oh, yeah. a special way. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That might actually have to be its own whole entire podcast. <laughs> Next we, off season. We're, we're running out of off season. I know. Now. I could talk you some some strategy. I'll, I'll, I'll you know let the listeners in on some recruiting secrets for let, <laughs> NCAA well, let, fourteen. Let me tell you what, Stephen. Not, not recruiting, but playing PlayStation Two game. The key is to blitz every single play. Don't give the quarterback enough time to even make a decision passing. Just blitz all out, Don Brown style. I was gonna say I'm picturing you with a fake mustache on, just screaming at your television with all your favorite Don Brown qu- it's quotes. It's gotta be fake because I cannot grow a real one. Still at the age <laughs> I'm of 28, you. I'm with you. It's just creepy. Yeah, it's so just you, creepy for it's me. On PlayStation Two, you run the five-two, just just blitz one person, send yeah. six people at the quarterback at all times, just like Don Brown, which. Speaking of Don Brown, we're going to be previewing the defense tonight. That was the smoothest, the smoothest of transitions. That's Look right. You go. We're Look trying. You go. We're trying. <laughs> we're here. I'm here. Here all night, here all week, here all year. I'm stuck forever. About to have my third daughter. 18 That's years it, I'll man. be here. That's right. You're going to be here. <laughs> um, okay, so we're talking defense tonight. Uh, we previewed the offense last week, and here's the plug. We had it. We had an offensive 2019 offensive season prediction survey, pick them, fantasy, whatever you want to call it, where we, we asked, asked people to fill out a survey of 11 questions um, on what they predicted was going to happen with the offense. We're doing the same thing with the defense. We've got questions. We've got the survey. And tonight we're going to be previewing the defense through the lens of the questions. I'm going to be asking you those questions. And then after the podcast, if people are listening – they should go click on the link we'll tweet out, and they should fill out their own survey. Yeah, we had yeah. o- over 100 responses to the offensive prediction oh, wow. uh, survey. Great. Yeah, so we got we got nice representation there. Uh, we're gonna try to do the same for defense. Um, how you yeah. feel about how how you feeling about the defense, Stephen? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's uh, it's it, I'm feeling a little shaky. Uh, there's a couple positions that there are holes that uh, don't think the offense has. Um, 
something that Josh Uche said this morning, actually, or I guess yesterday morning uh, by time of the listeners, uh, about the speed of the defense. And he said it might be the fastest that the defense has ever been under Don Brown. Um, And it feels like they say that every year. And I don't think they've been wrong yet when I've heard heard that. It's it's not one of those statements that could be false just because the other one was true. They could progressively be getting faster. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not to get too deep into that quote, but I think I think as we uh, I'll bring it up later. But there, there are two things about that quote that I think as we uh, you know, talk about different position groups here that uh, that give credence or, or give validity to that quote. So I think it, it's an interesting quote. Just plant the seed there and think about how how could Michigan's defense possibly be faster this year? And part of, one of those things has me excited about the defense, but I think part of it uh, kind of shows some some holes that the defense has and will need that speed to make up for. Well, starting from the top, I think it's important to understand before we even dive into the deep previews, this is such a different year for Don Brown in a same similar situation as the offense. Because of the offense bringing in Josh Gaddis, this puts a whole nother dimension of pressure onto Don Brown. Where last year the defense was facing 65, 66 plays a game. This year it should be expected that they're going to be you know, facing 80 to 90 plays per game, uh, snaps per, per game. And that's going to that's gonna put on a whole nother issue of pressure for Don Brown yeah. uh, and the defense there. Do you think the Gaddis offense... Is, is precipitating the the defense feeling quote unquote faster because you know the offense is having to to run plays at a faster pace, which means the defense probably feels like they're going faster, whether that's or not they actually yeah. are. Yeah, that's true. I think it's also a case where they were able to give uh, certain players cough cough Devin Bush cough cough uh, <laughs> certain roles last year that allowed them to. I guess you could play more safe at other positions. So there's there's going to be uh, a lot of people need to step up and uh, display that speed and athleticism to kind of make up for that. So I think across the board, you need to be faster and you need to find ways to make the entire defense from each position faster in order to make up for that. So well, that is one thing the defense cannot by necessity, by absolute authority can't quite be as fast as last year's defense just because of Devin Bush. I refuse to accept that. Uh, I would, I mean, I would say probably the greatest linebacker in school history. I think we might actually look back and say that Uh, a a player who, who could potentially change the definition of linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. uh, In the way that I think people expected maybe Jabril to, when they started having Jabril play, um, you know, you know, when he got drafted to the NFL, at least. Yeah. Uh, the type of impact they thought he was going to have, I think, is Devin Bush might actually have. It, it's going to be rough this year because you're going to look at every single linebacker, and I think Michigan has quite a few good linebackers this year, good bordering on great for a couple of them, and it's they're going to get a lot of flack that's unwarranted well, just the, just by nature of comparing it to an elite guy The speed that, at, that was Bush. Yeah. The speed at which Devin Bush read plays – was unbelievable. The, the, he could get from point A starting position to point B, the ball carrier behind the line of scrimmage. 
Yep. You know, whether it was an out pattern, whether you know, whether it was a toss, a guy bouncing outside, he got to the guy before the line of scrimmage more than any other linebacker. Yep. I when mean, he, I mean, when he combined four four five speed uh, with how quick he could accelerate, yeah. plus, like you said, the, the diagnosing abilities and the sheer just uh, instinct for the game, like that's, you know, that's it. That's what you want out of your linebacker. Well, so. Since we're mourning over Devin Bush, let's go ahead and start with <laughs> the linebacking crew yes. for this year. Uh, replacing Devin Bush is going to be Josh Ross, who has been described by, was it Don Brown, that said Josh Ross is the smartest player he's ever worked with. Um, it might have been Harbaugh. It might have been Don Brown. Mm-hmm. Regardless, one of the one of those two said that in fact that he was the smartest player they've ever worked with, which he's going to have to be, you, you know, to make up for the pure talent that was Devin Bush Jr. Uh, how do you feel about Josh Ross and the linebacking core in general? From yeah, Michigan? yeah, Josh Ross reminds me of a slightly beefier uh, Devin Bush, so he won't have the sideline sideline speed, but man, he. If anyone hits harder than Devin Bush, it's for sure Josh Ross. I remember he played against, I think it was uh, New Boston Huron, which is a, a team near Monroe County where I grew up. And uh, it was in the semifinals, Josh Ross's senior year. He broke like two kids' arms <laughs> that that game. And uh, was he yeah. was he a brother Rice product or where is he from? No, no. Oh gosh. Lumen Christie, no, no, Orchard Lake St. Mary's, Orchard Lake St. Mary's, yeah, yep. okay, yep. that makes sense. Yep, um, uh, just so a monster. I, yeah, so he really just wallops people. When when making my hype video, I, I look for plays that include him because he has the most pop coming out of his tackles. So, um, you know, not as much speed, but he'll he'll deliver a hit, and I think, uh, you know, he's a sharp player. I think he'll he'll replace about as well as you could hope for. Uh, Cleek Hudson, obviously Viper. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. he, he's tackle for loss record holder in the big t- or is it big 10 he, or just Michigan. One of the two. He had like he, eight and a half. I he might he might be the best athlete Michigan's had on their defense under the Harbaugh era. I, yeah. I honestly I mean, like even more so than Jabril, even more so than Devin Bush. Khalid Hudson is such a pure athlete, like on yeah. such an unbelievably amazing level. Like you could seriously see him playing other sports and thriving in those in those sports. Yeah, he's, Just, he's like he's a ball of muscle, man. You and know, he, he reminds me of. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, he, you're good. He, he reminds me of if Demonte Thomas had ever really fulfilled his potential in college, because hmm. Demonte Thomas came in with so much hype. He, you know, pure five star safety prospect. Yeah, didn't quite pan out the way he wanted to, but he's stuck in the NFL because of his pure athleticism. That's true. And he's yeah. playing for the Denver Broncos uh, for the past few years, and I think Kalik reminds me a lot of Demonte and just that pure, pure athleticism and knack for getting to the ball. But for yeah. Kalik, he's also evolved as a football player. Yeah, um, it, it it he seems like the first real. Uh, I think he'll be the guy we look back on, similar to how Bush fit that. Uh, that Mike linebacker under Don Brown, Hudson will be the Viper under Don Brown that we look back on. You could say Jabril Peppers, you could say that, but Peppers didn't fit at Viper the same way that Hudson did. I think you could, you could argue Hudson has had a better Viper career than Peppers ever did. We're kind of fighting out. And Jabril Peppers was an all American caliber player on defense at Michigan. Like I don't like, there's no doubt about it. 
But we're finding out Jabril Peppers is just the wrong size for like literally every position in football. Yeah. Like, like he's just, he's just like, he's, he's a tweener at literally every position. And that's hopefully with the Giants, he sticks. But you're yeah. totally right about Clay Cutson. Like he, he is the definition of exactly what you want. We better enjoy him. Yep. And rewatching Michigan's games this year uh, from last year over the past few weeks. It reminded me of how hyped he, he was coming the last year. Yep. But then all the hype kind of dropped away after he got back-to-back uh, targeting penalties early yeah. on in the season. It was like the first game of the season, I can't remember who it was against, and then, or, or was it SMU and then Nebraska maybe? He got back-to-back targeting penalties. Yeah. Um, and they're, yeah, I mean, rough. both were crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, Kalik is, yeah. is definitely the guy. And then Devin Gill at the other position. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a lot of hate, man. Devin Gill gets a lot of hate. Um, yeah, I feel like he's a really strong will linebacker. You know, last year he split time with Ross. And I think it was, um, you know, he's a slightly different kind of linebacker. He's more traditional, not as fast, a, a little bit larger at the position. But <laughs> I think he's he's a good starting linebacker i think he you know he doesn't get as much love uh just because of his speed but if he's asked to do the right things he's not a guy you want to cover a running back you know that's just not not his forte but he's a competent big 10 athlete player yeah right and one that's one thing we've had so many all conference and all american defensive players that you get these completely perfectly fine capable players and you're just like why is this guy not better and Devin Gill is the one I think I confused him with Metellus a few weeks ago mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Gill was the one who was committed to the University of Toledo before he became a package deal to Michigan with with Metellus and Bush if I remember correctly I yep, kind of think the he, Flanagan guys yep he was the last of the highlighter neon green Flanagan yeah. guys yeah um, to, to kind of join, and the fact that all three of them have made an impact is just you know yeah. says a lot about kind of it's that phenomenal. Florida that Florida talent that you, you kind of have to get right to be successful. Uh, so so Josh Ross, Devin Gill, Cleek Hudson, uh, and then also you know in those linebacker positions you have Cameron Grown, who I think is going to see playing time obviously, mm-hmm. and he's going to be an impact player down the road. He's a guy that we need to pan out and to evolve this year, so in the future he can get. A lot of playing time. Yep. Um, then we've got Jordan, Jordan Glasgow, which Glasgow? Yeah, Jordan yep. Glasgow. I feel like, okay, obviously, because of his two brothers, it feels like this is Jordan Glasgow's sixth year at Michigan. I know, but because yeah. the thing is, he was a walk-on first as a freshman under when Ryan Glasgow had his senior year at yeah. Michigan, so. Yeah. And because of that, Jordan Glasgow actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure, got playing time towards the very end of the year or during blowouts. And it was like, oh, there's another Glasgow. Here yeah. we go. There's, here, like, this guy might actually be something. But he was playing safety, you know, wasn't really sure of his position. Four years under Don Brown. Uh, he's now a backup linebacker who's getting as much hype as you can for a former walk-on slash backup linebacker. You know, so yeah. so... He's a solid athlete, it sounds like, and someone who could contribute. Um, and that, and then, if we get past those two, maybe Michael Barrett, um, mm-hmm. and then we'll see. But you got Jordan Anthony there as well. Yeah. So, so that's that's. Well, I think one of the themes this year is we're going to get to is that the defense is 
pretty thin or thinner than we would like it to be. And that's yeah. It's it's something where Michigan is at the level where they can now plug and play guys, which mm-hmm. is good. You know, under year five under Harbaugh, we're at the plug and play where Josh Ross can come in for Devin Bush and, and make an impact instantly, you know, kind of smooth that transition. And we should be able to do that from now on. But we're not quite at the depth where if we can't plug and play and also suffer injuries and in play. Yeah, I think on the on the defense, maybe outside of defensive end, I think linebacker might be the uh, most comfortable position, though, because, I mean, Hudson and Glasgow is, are both really dependable Vipers. Right. You know, Glasgow saw a decent time at Viper, and I think Glasgow's also been getting time at the uh, other linebacking uh, positions as well. So I think he's a solid, probably first off the bench kind of guy who will get plenty of time. And then McGrone and Anthony were both top 150 recruits, you know, so yeah. and and they both kind of feel like they could play either at Mike or Will. So, um, you know, in terms of athleticism, athleticism, they're going to be there. Just and I guess and Mike, Michael yeah. Barrett, Michael Barrett got switched, bounced around between offense and defense so often. It tells yep. you what kind of athlete he actually is. Mm-hmm. Right? He, he's definitely a good athlete. Uh, he didn't get switched, you know, between the two sides because of his lack of ability like a right. transfer that went to Cincinnati uh the past couple of weeks yep. uh that whole that whole issue uh, he, he's actually someone who is going to get playing time at some point okay you're mm-hmm. right there there is more depth than I guess I would initially say mm-hmm. uh, and then you you might have to bring Josh Uche into the discussion as linebacker as well because he's more of a traditional Sam this year so he's actually they talked about him improving covering tight ends uh, in, in pass coverage, which is obviously not something he was used uh, much at all, if yeah, at all, in le- the past. Let me tell you, if I want Josh Uche on the field, he better be damn well going after that quarterback. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I mean, I understand the risks of not you – know, you can't always play him on the line if yeah. it's just a pure – I mean, this is a guy who had 12 solo tackles, 13 total tackles last year, Yeah, who, who was 17th on the team in tackles, 17th. And yet yep. he still led the team in sacks with seven. I mean, that's yeah. mind-blowing stuff. He, Yeah, his percentage when he was on the field, his percentage of making an impact was huge. He was shot out of a cannon. Speaking of um, video games, it's like creating a player <laughs> and then having them get 10 sacks in five-minute quarters. And you're just yeah. like, that's not realistic at all. There's no way it's possible. Enter Josh Uche. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, I'm excited about him. So if he, if he can cover some tight ends... I mean, he's going to have to round out his skill set, you know, like he doesn't have the guys in front of him anymore. He's going to have to to expand, expand his skill set and, and have more responsibility on this defense. So if if people are, you know, Don Brown and, and linebacking coach are, are uh, confident with him being able to do that, that's that bodes well for the defense. Let me tell you what, if Uche can play both linebacker and defensive line, yep. and we just talked about the linebackers. I think that's t- that means it's time to switch over to the defensive line. Yeah. And talk about them. So let's let's go ahead and do that now. Uh, we've got you know Uche, obviously the best edge rusher. Can we say in the nation? Can we just say like on third down, you'd rather have Joshua Uche than any other player in the nation? Is that is that Ooh. stupid of us to say? A little bit. I mean, A little just bit. Well, so let's say he was the look most at the productive. stats. He was yeah. most productive in, in terms of like percentage wise you'd be hard-pressed to find a more I mean, productive guy. Ever. I mean, ever. Well, obviously, this is, like, this is like 
this is like when uh, Alex Caruso plays 10 minutes for the Los Angeles Lakers and averages yeah. 40 points a game. <laughs> but still, like, I mean, I mean, on third, a very specific situation, third down, you just need a pass rusher. You you literally have to put Uche on the field over yeah. anyone else and just say, go get him. Yeah, right? you got to yeah. account for him. And he's getting no love, really. Like, you look at all the, you know, preseason lists. I haven't seen this name come up once. So in terms of, like, I don't think he's he's any stranger to Michigan fans, but in terms of, like, national attention, people are going to be like, who the hell is this guy? Because he only played, you know, however many snaps per game, very low percentage, and his production was just astronomical compared to those numbers. All right, so with that being said, let's talk about mm-hmm. the defensive line. Here's one of the questions yep. uh, from our survey pick'em, Stephen. Who in 2009 is going to have the most tackles for loss? Mm. So, as of last year, um, Mike Dana actually had the most tackles for loss out of anyone returning for the 2019 season. Interesting. Caveat, he was playing for Central Michigan and played against the MAC, you know, for the majority of the season. Sure. Um, But he had 15 tackles for loss, which put into context, Chase Winovich led the team last year with 15.5 tackles for loss. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... So, so that tells you Mike Dana put up numbers similar to Chase Winovich yeah. from, from a defensive tackle inside position, um, which is where, where we're going to want him to play. Is he going to solidly come into this Michigan lineup and play well, Stephen? That's the question. Yeah, I think, man, it, it's hard because he was also the only guy, I think, on Michigan's defense within the – uh, PFF top 100. He was number 22 player in the nation yeah. as a central Michigan player. And then he graduate transferred to Michigan. That's right. Yeah. And, and he's been getting good talk in camp, but not the same amount that your Carlo Kemp's yeah. Quiddy pay Aiden Hutchinson. So he'll, he'll be a heavy part of the rotation, but it, it's hard to say exactly how much he'll have. I think he'll have a productive year. I don't think he's going to be, um, I don't know. It, it's it's really hard without seeing him to predict, you know, a, a level of production on par with a Chase Winovich who's blowing up in the preseason. That's right. right so, now. so let's let's hey, he is blowing up. I mean, all the yeah. ways. I mean, he just looks incredible. He's a Boston favorite already. I know. Uh, like third I hate ra- third round. I hate Unreal. the Patriots so much. I mean, I just do. I'm sorry. I used to lo- I used to <laughs> love them, and I just am ready. F- I'm ready for it to be done. These I kicks can't... are what make them who they are. I know. I know. And he, that smile, he just yeah. looks, he looks so stupid. Like he, he looks straight out of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles eight nineteen eighties 1980s movie. Like yeah. That's what he reminds me of. Like he's just yeah. such a dude, bro. Um, okay. So, so, so to, to answer your question. Yeah. Well, here's, here's some options. Okay. Give Mike yes, Dana yes. had 15 tackles for loss last year at central Michigan. Uh, other options. Josh Uche had eight tackles for loss. Seven of them being sacks. Uh, Quiddy Pay had 5.5. Uh, Carlo Kemp had four last season. Dwum Four had three tackles for loss. And then Aiden Hutchinson had one tackle for loss. And Davin Jeter had zero, but he's going to be playing this year. So you got you got H- Jeter, Hutchinson, Dana, Uche, Quiddy Pay, and Carlo Kemp and Dwum Four. Really as your main options, I think. Uh, so so of those guys, who are you relying on to to be the best impact defense alignment for Michigan this year. Yeah. For me, I think Carlo Kemp, Donovan Jeter, 
uh, Duom 4 will all be very good. I'm going to choose Hutchinson here. He's a guy who I don't think he's probably going to be my standout player or maybe most surprise player of the year for Michigan's defense. Um, really impressed with his, he, he flashed last year. You know, he didn't get, didn't get as much opportunity. Um, but yes. man, was I impressed with him. And then I, I've always been a huge fan of Quiddy pay. I think he, I was definitely on him uh, contributing early uh, right after he committed. I remember watching his film and he was a running back. I think in Rhode Island. Wow. Yeah. Oh, no. oh, he's he's a Dom Brown dude yeah. from the East Coast. Huh? So like that got yeah. me super excited about his athleticism. So I'm gonna say Hutchinson with Quiddy Pay right behind him, um, but I'm excited about the uh, the pass rush for the defensive line. That might sound a little ominous there for future talk, but but yes, uh, I think Aiden Hutchinson is gonna have a huge year. I think he's going to lead the team in tackles for loss, man. I feel a little crazy for saying that, but I'm sticking with it. Well, this is a guy who did flash last year. He was a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, um, I believe, last year. Yeah, true freshman, I yeah, think. Tr- true freshman and saw the field. Not only saw the field, when he did play, he looked. There was something on his tape that I think everyone noticed where people said, wow, this guy's going to be really good. And in the mold of, you know, potentially Maurice Hurst or or even a Ryan Glasgow, where he's going to be, if he has a, a solid year this year, puts on a little bit more weight over the next mm-hmm. two years, he's going to be some guy his senior year who is going to just eat people alive. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, he is, he is a giant beast um, with the skill, with the technique. He only had 12 ta- total tackles last year. But he had moments where, where he had the TV commentary saying, whoa, like this guy's coming in and playing really yeah. confidently. He is, he is your, your standard plug and play that you would hope for when you first hired Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, think about just who he was behind last year for snaps. You had Rashawn Gary Winovich, Quiddy Pay, who has, you know, a year edge on him. And then uh, if you're really looking for like a pass rush, that was literally the job of Josh Uche. So. He he flashed despite having four really good guys, two guys who are in the NFL. Quiddy Pay is probably future NFL, and then Uche, who is blowing up. So, like, to, to have an impact to stand out as a true freshman in that group, I think that says a little bit uh, about him. Oh, undoubtedly it does. Undoubtedly yep. it does. Um, honestly, I think I would probably agree with you that I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be the breakout player this year. Yeah. Uh, just undoubtedly. However... I would put my money on Joshua Uche. He's the guy I'll be voting for. Mm. Just because on you know, these total statistic numbers, we're not looking for the quote unquote best player. And I think Uche liked sure. liked for both. Um if they're on the field at the same time, the opposing team is going to be stupid to not run on them. Yeah. <laughs> to at least not attempt because both for and Uche have looked clueless against the run game in the past. Yeah. They're players who have not you know, as of 2018, picked up the knowledge and skill to be able to understand when they should be rushing, hard nose, attacking the quarterback, and when the ball is handed off and they need to shift gears to clog the line. Yep. Uh, neither of them have proven that, and both of them are going to be expected to make that contribution and to shift gears and become a better football player IQ-wise. Yep. That's, that's necessary. That might be... 
the second most important question to this year's defense. Whether or not those guys can go from pass rushing specialists on third down to three down players that you can trust to to stuff the run to at least to at least counter the run and and be decent in the run against the run. Yeah, um, and that's a big shift going from a role player like your job is to get to the quarterback. That was Josh Uche's job. How do you respond to having you know a, a whole lot more of responsibilities? elsewhere on a down-to-down basis so not only are you not fresh but you have to worry about the run outside leverage you have to you know you're not always on a stunt so can you mix in um your speed moves with your base power moves so so yeah that's that's an excellent point and uh yeah i I think uche is probably uh, a really solid answer with Hutchinson. And then if you're looking at someone outside of that defensive line or Sam position, I think Hudson is probably a good uh, a good answer as well. Just, you know, if he has one game against yeah. Minnesota like yeah. last year where he gets 8.5 tackles for loss or something. Well, I'll tell you, I think, I think the game that might determine who has the most tackles for loss this year might be the Army game. Yeah. I mean, the Army game might completely swing that that quote-unquote race yeah uh, just and that, by, that's a just big viper game that is a big viper game as well yeah. so that could be it you're right yeah oh my gosh the poten- i mean you literally are going to have potentially 70 to 80 plays potential plays to have tackles for loss that game yeah um that's pretty incredible i didn't think about that until just now that that could completely change the season we'll see we'll see what the stats are after that game compared to yeah. the rest of the season um, okay, so let, let's go from, okay, we're feeling good about linebacker. Defensive line, we're feeling decent about, but there are a lot of holes to fill from losing Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich. Uh, and we have to fill them with people who have less than stellar records with the run game so far. Uh, past specialists. So, so that's at least a decent question mark. But we feel confident about that. Yeah. The team or the position group with the most question marks, which we've alluded to on previous podcasts, uh, what position group is that, Stephen? Well, we said cornerback, and uh, you know, with with Ambry Thomas, as we discussed yeah. in the last podcast. I was going to say just defensive backs. I'm going to group safeties in with the corners. Ooh, I'll disagree with you there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, you feel confident about the safeties? You're saying? Yeah, okay. I feel way more confident with the safeties. If I were to rank the top three worries defensively cornerback defensive tackle interior defensive line. That's number two. Number three would be safeties. Okay. Well, okay. I was just grouping them in together as quote unquote Fair defensive enough. backs. Let, Fair let's, enough. let's talk about the corners specifically though. Sure. Cornerback number one, Lavert Hill has been amazing, impeccable, near impeccable. You know, one of the best corners in college football according to Pro Football Focus, yep. um, undoubtedly. He also had David Long across, across the field from him. Um, and, and David Long is now in the NFL, you know, taking selfies with Jordan Lewis after preseason <laughs> football games. Yeah. Yep. And, and you're like, wow, if we could have had De- uh, David Long, Levert Hill, and uh, Jordan Lewis back again. My gosh. I mean, <laughs> I mean just what, ama- what amazing you know players. Uh, so you got Lavert Hill on one side, and you were supposed to have Ambry Thomas on the other side this year. Super five-star athlete from King, supposed to be the guy this year, and yet you know he's got colitis, ulcerative colitis. Yeah. Um, 
which sounds so painful and sounds like something you would see promoted on the television by an old middle-aged white guy uh, <laughs> with grain hair. You know, say, hey, we're going to solve this for you. Take this pill daily. <laughs> it costs $900, even though it costs two to make because we're in America. But ask, hey, ask your doctor about... That's right. Some random name for your colitis. There you go. Yeah. Peptocolitis. There it is. Uh, That's right. Uh, So anyways, uh, unfortunately, Amber Thomas, not old, middle-aged, or white, still has it. uh, Still out for the the time being, for a while at least. So in place of Amber Thomas, who is going to fill the role as the second cornerback on this team on already the weakest, you know, least depth side of the ball position group yeah i mean all, all we've heard is vincent gray and that's almost by by default that is terrifying that is terrifying that the way yeah. you answered that is terrifying yeah i mean uh who else do you have that's the thing you had jalen kelly powell who you know he was a four-star from cast tech he hasn't shown a whole lot i think uh he still looks pretty skinny he's a junior and he, he doesn't look as bulked up as a defensive back you'd expect him to be. Um, but he's gotten some run, you know, with the twos and, and threes in later games in the past couple of years. I mean, I mean, he's a Richard Sherman lookalike, right? Like just, yeah. just about 30 pounds skinnier. Yeah. And um, I don't know. There's just not a whole lot of, uh, you know, you had Miles Sims who transferred out of the program. He's at Virginia Tech now. Um, and then that's it between Vincent Gray and JKP, you have uh, Hunter Reynolds. Uh, uh, I believe he's a walk-on redshirt sophomore. Yeah. And then you have a couple of true freshmen, DJ Turner and Jalen Perry, uh, one of which we, we've heard a decent amount about, DJ Turner. And Jalen Perry's just uh, you know a, a guy we haven't really heard a whole lot about. So This, um, this is by far and away the most nerve-wracking position group for Michigan, potentially since Harbaugh came to Michigan and had John O'Cor and Willem Spate fight it out for the quarterback position. Yeah, it, it's scary, man. I mean, it. you know, where were these guys on the list? Yeah, yeah DJ Turner, just right at 400, uh, you know, three-star recruit, 400 overall, uh, number 40 cornerback in the nation, and then... Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just scary. You like, know, it's really honestly what's terrifying is this corner out of any position group is the one that translate translates the easiest from summer camps and the opening to actual college football. Yeah. Because yeah. the speed the speed is so necessary, the agility is so necessary. If you test well on the spark, if you test well. You know, at summer camps, at the opening, etc., you're you're going to test well on the field on college game day. Yeah, um, I think that's part of what's worrying about it too, is because DJ Turner was the uh, lesser rated of the two. Um, I mean, he did come from IMG Academy, so that that speaks for something. It does, and, definitely does. But Jalen Perry was a guy out of Georgia who is a four star, two hundredth overall. You know, six one more lengthy corner so in terms of guys you you want to hear uh early chatter about especially at that position group uh you know i would expect more from perry and we we simply haven't heard it so you know it's not you know not death sentence for him at all given the the lack of depth i still expect him to play up to four games 
um, just by necessity. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a scary, scary situation right now. Probably the scariest lack of depth, uh, like you said, in Harbaugh's 10 years since maybe, uh, when he inherited the offensive line (laughs) his first year. Yeah. So I have two conflicting thoughts about the cornerback position and the lack of depth issue. Um, my first one is it's terrifying and we're all going to die of stress in the, in the <laughs> next year because Don Brown's defensive system is similar to my theory on NCAA 09 on the PlayStation 2. Blitz, full circle. <laughs> yeah, always full circle. Blitz the quarterback, put pressure on the quarterback, force him to make decisions when he would rather not be forced, he'd prefer not to be forced to make decisions. And I think about the way Michigan has manhandled Wisconsin in, in previous years. Mm-hmm. You know, the year um, Bram Pierce had a step in, not included. But the last two times Wisconsin's come to Michigan and Wisconsin runs such a boring offensive system, Tom Brown was able to gobble that up. Because, like, against a quarterback with the talent level of Alex Horningbrook, you blitz and you leave man to man coverage. And you let Jordan Lewis just dominate that man-to-man coverage. You let yep. you let David Long just dominate that man-to-man coverage, because if you can dominate the man-to-man coverage and just you know fill in the box, you're good as gold, yep. right? So yep. against against lesser level quarterbacks, this this is not going to be a problem. However, against the elite quarterbacks, against the Dwayne Haskins of the world, you know they're not scoring 63 points on Michigan under Don Brown's system. They're scoring 80 points. I mean, I mean. You're not going to be able to stop teams by just throwing pure athletes out on the field just like you were last year. Yeah. Um, however, yeah. on the other side of things, the cornerback group is going to be just fine, I could say. If Don Brown could have a top-five defense at Boston College, he can have a top-five defense at Michigan with subpar Michigan standard cornerbacks. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he did it with Boston College recruits who were definite two stars. I have no doubt in my mind, almost every corner that he started at Boston College was either two star or a low three star. Right. So, so yeah. if he could do it at Boston College, he can do it at Michigan against all the talent that's not the elite talent. And then that's kind of what we talked about last podcast. Can, yeah. Don, can Don Brown do it against the best talent? We don't know. We know he can always do it against the lesser talent. So, yeah. And, and we know like the interior defensive line isn't going to be as strong, but in obvious passing downs, uh, it's a defense that seems built to create pressure very fast, very, uh, you know, pass rush specialist, you could say. So in in terms of downs where it's really important to, um, to get to the quarterback quickly, hopefully that'll have an impact on maybe some, uh, you know, less than stellar coverage on the outside and force mistakes rather than, uh, you know, depending on your defensive backfield. So we'll see if that, you know, if that balance kind of yeah gives it back to the defense's favor. But it, it I'm not confident about that. If there's one thing I'm not confident about with this defense, it, there's just not enough bodies. And, and when you don't have bodies, you're, you're less likely to find someone who's going to who's gonna fit well. So, that's... so so this is a team who's going to rely on the offense for the first time under the har- in the Harbaugh era, I think. I think we can say that. And I, I, the only reason I say that, it might be more 50-50 than it's ever been. It might not even be relying on the offense as much as the defense. But for the past four years, Harbaugh's had such incredible defenses that, that the offense... Ha- 
has been able to slack off. Yeah. Where this year, it might be the complete opposite. Just because we don't know for sure how the defense is going to react, replacing entirely, essentially the entire defensive line, mm-hmm. you know, replacing quality defensive backs around the NFL, replacing the best linebacker in school history. Uh, you know, we basically lost all of the absolute best players, and we just have to hope that their replacements plug in and play at an acceptable level. Um, but not only plug in and play at an acceptable level, also thrive in a situation where they're on the field more often than they were before because right. of the speed that Gaddis uses. If you're three and out, Gaddis is three and out in 20 seconds. Right. I mean, they might get two minutes of rest if that happens. Conversely, even when they do score, the defense is still going to be you know on the bench for less a less period of time than ever before. Right. Um, yeah. So, so that's something to worry about. There, there is the potential for serious breakdown in everything the defense has to offer. I yeah. I, I don't think you'll have that. I think it's it's tough. It's always been tough for the offense to live up to the defense, just because it's been such such a solid defense, and especially given how the offense operated in the past, it's always been a uh, you know ball possession, grind down opposing defenses and then pull away in the third fourth quarter so the defense was always forced to kind of carry the team at least through an entire half of football and then some depending on on when the offense would finally have enough time to pull away so hopefully you know like you said if the offense can can start to carry the weight a little bit more relieve some of that pressure on the defense get some of those backups more um you know more exposure more experience in the case of injury um, so, you know, I think that, that definitely helps build the depth, uh, at some of these positions that we're, we're not as confident with, get more bodies in there in situations where, uh, they're not dependent on and, you know, you, you can experiment a little bit more. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if this is coming through effectively through the podcast, but I have like 15 second periods where I'm like, yeah, Michigan's going to have probably the, the best, second best defense of the nation because Don Brown, we're plugging in these incredible athletes who we know are successful at these specific skills. And then like 15 seconds after that, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're replacing like six NFL athletes. <laughs> you, you know, Ty, uh, Tyree Cannell led the team in tackles last year. We don't even talk about him. He's like the fifth or sixth person you talk about from last year's defense. He's, right. play, he's playing for the Cincinnati Bengals right now. Um, and yet he led the team in tackles, and we don't even talk about him, and yet yeah. we have to replace him at safety. Uh, you know, there are so many players that we, we lost from last year that are so successful, and and just assuming that Don Brown is going to have a defense that is just as good, you know, second best in the nation uh, with yards against, and if it wasn't for the Ohio State game, easily probably first in the nation. Um, and yet also that's the Don Brown motto. Mo- right. Like, like, Mantra, he's done this his entire career where he produces great defense, great defenses with subpar talent. And at Michigan, the backups aren't even subpar. They're average at worst. Right. right, right? Michigan's backups are always going to be better than Boston College's starters for the most part. Yeah. yeah I'd it, say like 80% of the time. Yep. It, it's Don Brown's mind and how well the players uh, follow that scheme more right. so. And then anything on top of that the athleticism, the elite athletes, that's great. That's what takes it from a top 25 to a uh, top 10, top five. That's right. All right. Let's, let's close this out here, Stephen. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot you five different questions from the survey. 
And okay. They're going to be quick hitters, and we, we can talk about them and discuss them a little bit. Yep. Um, speaking of Tyreek Cannell, you know, he led the team with 72 tackles last year total. Yep. Devin Bush had 66 total tackles, and Chase Winovich had 59 total tackles. Those were the top three leading tacklers from last year's team. If you were to guess any combination of any three players from last year's defense, Stephen, who would they be that you believe is going to lead the team in tackles for 2019? Three guys. Three guys, and I'll, I'll tell you the top returning players. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Dana had 66 total tackles at Central Michigan last year, which would have tied Devin Bush for the second most on the team. Sure. Uh, Josh Metellus had 47 last year, and Joshua Ross actually had 54 last season. So even though Joshua Ross was technically a backup, he was, he was actually third on the team, or fourth on the team in total tackles last year. Yep. I'm going to say uh, you'll get one at each position group here, actually. Uh, Love it. Love I'm going to say Carlo Kemp. Okay. Defensive cool. tackle. Yep. Uh, Cleek Hudson and Josh Metellus. I love it. I love yeah. it. You're already discluding Joshua Ross. I don't blame you, though. I, th- I think I would probably go Josh Ross, Cleek Hudson, and then um, – Cleek Hudson, Ross, and then Metellus. Yeah. yeah. So, so I had two linebackers and a safety. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the defensive line is just going to rotate enough, or potentially that's not there. Unless Mike Dana reasserts himself as just a dominant player, which Pro Football Focus clearly thinks he is. Yeah. He's, he's wild card for me. He's, yeah. he's a guy who could really just surprise everybody. Definite wild card. Okay. Next question Michigan was second in the nation last season in opponent yards per game. They gave up 275.2 yard offensive yards per game, opponent yards per game. First was was Mississippi State at 263. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, if Michigan didn't have the Ohio State game, they would have been first. Where will Michigan rank nationally at the end of 2019? You know, coming into play, thinking about the guys they've lost to the NFL, yep. thinking about the change of style in the offense, yep. which means that because of Gaddis, the defense is going to be on the field for more plays. The three options. Will Michigan rank top three nationally, once again, because Don Brown is a maniacal genius? Will Michigan rank between fourth and tenth nationally in opponent yards per game because the defense is still going to be really, really good, just not quite as elite as last year? Mm-hmm. And then the last option, will Michigan rank 11th or worse nationally because mm. of the significant drop-off for, uh, from NFL talent? Yeah. I would maybe create one extra category there. I would probably put them in the 11th to 25th category. I think it's I, I think it's not going to be as elite, mainly because of the offense. I think they're just going to face more snaps than than like astronomically. So, so, more. so you're sa- you're saying it's it's probable that they will actually be 11th to 25th, and, and yes. there's a possibility for it to be 26th or worse even. I don't think it's going to be 26. I think it's closer to 10th than 25th. Okay. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm thinking like 10 to 15 range. Mm-hmm. But uh, like you said, they're, they're going to face more snaps. I think it's going to be a team that gives up larger chunk plays. I think it's going to be a less consistent defense. Really good still. But I think they're going to get gashed a little bit, uh, at least early on. And um, I, I mean, still going to be really good. But I think they'll they'll – struggle a little bit in some areas so i don't think top 10 in that category but so, but still solid still, opponent yards per yeah. game are you putting them top three fourth or tenth or eleventh or worse 
Eleventh yeah. Roars, man. All, yeah, all right. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm fascinated to see what the response is going to be. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, let's see. Next up, keeping it simple at safety. Who was going to be on the field for more snaps in 2019? Brad Hawkins or Daxon Hill? It's mm. a really good one. So Brad Hawkins, I think, is going to have the edge to start the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a matter of, of how do they deploy Daxton Hill. Will Ambry Thomas's absence affect that as well? well could, could you know Dax play nickel? Could he could he play on the inside at corner? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he'll he'll definitely have more of a role in passing situations as long as Ambry's out for sure. So I'm still going to say Brad Hawkins just because it's so tough as a safety, as a true freshman to come in and, and make a really big impact especially given you have Jamark Woods who has experience behind him as well. So I still think Brad Hawkins is going to step up. Uh, I'm excited about him. Um, I'm going to say Hawkins over Hill in that regard. All right. All right. You've gone against the grain from what my initial thoughts were going to (laughs) be. Two questions in a row now, which I love. I I might be way off base here, but I love it. Um, Okay. So next question. We've already done the tackles for loss question. Uh, next question, who's going to have the most interceptions in 2019? This is very basic. One of the things about David Long is he was barely thrown to last year. Yeah. You, you know, he was such a good cover corner. Even Lavert Hill, both of them had one interception each last year. Um, and, and Metellus actually led the team with three interceptions last year, which is not, you know, not a lot compared to the leading interception getters, but that just, I think, honestly says how great the defense was last season. Yeah. And there were a couple instances where uh, Josh Metellus was better factor of, of a tip ball. I remember David Long uh, tipped one. I think it was Penn State. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, Metellus was in the right spot. And right also, time. Nebraska game, I'm pretty sure um, uh, it might have been drum for but one of the defensive tackles, yes. yeah, it would have been a touchdown. Like, Metellus got burned. There's a missed coverage, and, and Adrian Martinez had a wide-open guy. Yeah. But ball gets tipped, and Metellus is right there for the interception. Yep. So. Um, but I'm going to go with Brad Hawkins, similar to la- yeah, similar to last year, because Metellus is actually getting a decent amount of exposure this year. All he, right. Pro Football Focus, had him as one of the best uh, cover uh, safeties in the league. Um, Lavert Hill isn't going to be tested too much, and I don't have enough confidence in the other corner position or knowing when Thomas will come back to predict that. So the other corner position will get tested the most. Lavert Hill, Josh Metellus will not get tested as much. Brad Hawkins is still kind of an unknown guy, so I think well, a lot. He, he was yeah. a, he was a wide receiver from yeah. New Jersey. He's he's a ball hawk. He does get. Yep. He, he has a nose for the ball. You know, I only, I, my options didn't even include Brett Hawkins. I had Lavert Hill, Metellus, Dax Hill, Vincent Gray, or Devin Gill. Yeah. All right, man. I like it. Yeah. I like it. There you go. Uh, all add right. the other. The other. I'll, I'll add him in there. <laughs> the other. Ooh, the claw. Um, <laughs> I, I have no idea why I tried to include. You drank too much coffee. That. That's you right. You drank too much coffee. Was it coffee or the wine, Stephen? <laughs> coffee or the wine? Yes. You never know. Yes, yes is the answer. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. Last question we'll ask for tonight, and then we'll wrap things up. Against which teams will Michigan give up more than 20 points against? 
Ooh, that's a low amount of points. Ooh, God. 20 points. So, and this is the thing. Michigan did this quite a bit last year. You know, the defense was so good. That's true. Uh, they, they were so dominant, so good. Is this is this going to be the same? Is it is it their fault if it's not the same? Twenty points or less. Let me let me give you the numbers last year. Michigan held Western Michigan to to three points. SMU to exactly twenty. So we'll count that. So twenty or fewer. Nebraska to ten points. They held Northwestern to seventeen points. They held Wisconsin to thirteen. Michigan State to seven. Penn State to seven. Rutgers to seven and Indiana to twenty. That's, That's a amazing. Lot of teams. Nine nine teams. Michigan held to twenty or less. Nine games, which is unbelievable to think about. Nine. That, yeah. That's that's crazy. So, to think so about. there there was only one time last season that Michigan gave up more than twenty points. And ah. Uh, yeah, and still won the game. Only one time, and that was against Maryland. Yep. All the other times, the other three times they gave up more than 20 points, they lost the game. Yep. And Maryland scored 21 in the game that they won. <laughs> so, yeah, so 20 over. is really that number. Yeah, okay, man. Um, I got to walk through these. All right, Middle Tennessee State, that's one. That's going to yep. be easy. Yes. Army, man. Army AP, is nerve-wracking, right? AP because poll just came out, and they're like 27th. essentially twenty seventh. Yeah. yeah, but like they they're so slow, so like they're right, they're flirting at that twenty one line, you know. The problem is, if they get twenty four, they could win the game. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. Like yeah, it could yeah. be twenty one seventeen, uh, either way. So I'm not gonna say Army. I'm gonna I'm not gonna say them at all. Okay. I'm actually gonna say Wisconsin will be held to less points well, than Army. And, and, I think. Paul yeah. Christ has kind of proven himself. This new quarterback that's replacing graduate transfer uh, Holbrook to Florida State. The guy who's yeah. replacing him better be dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Wisconsin's held under 20. Rutgers, come on. Uh, yeah, you, you have to choose Rutgers, right? I, I, and I What a wild card, right? Because yeah. Iowa either scores three or 56. Yeah. Ask not, Urban Meyer. Right? I'm not going to choose Iowa. I'm not going to choose them. Il- Illinois, I'll choose them. Brandon Peters, no faith, huh? <laughs> I don't know, man. No. Sorry. Sorry, Peters. I, what, I love what about you. old love man you. Santa Claus, Lovey Smith? Did, did you know Santa Claus is black? Did you know that? With that beard, man? He, he actually he lives he, in Champaign, he, Illinois when it's not Christmas. I've Man, I've been there. In uh, September, I'll be there again in September for a career fair. Say hi to Chris Campbell um, for me. I know. I'll, I'll have to look for look for some reindeer. But uh, <laughs> so so I'm at four right now. Middle Tennessee, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Illinois, and then you got a gauntlet that includes Penn State, Notre Dame. Yeah, no way, no way. Yeah, no one, no. Um, Maryland and Celine High School graduate. You know, we've had a spring football game in Celine. Thanks Did to Rich Rodriguez. Michigan had the spring football game in 2009-2010 in Celine uh, because of nepotism. That's where that's where all you know. That's where all the rich people from Ann Arbor now live is Celine, including Rich Rod and Brady Hoke. Their so facilities are insane. Celine High School, man, yeah. they have some crazy good fields. My, I'm my, gonna... high, my high school girlfriend was from there. I mean, yeah. Ugh. Ugh, Celine. That's all right. That's okay. That's okay. Ugh, I hate Celine. Yeah, um, okay. I'm going to choose Maryland just because now there's this weird bad blood between them. So I'm going to choose Maryland. All right. So that's, that's five. 
And then that's it, man. That's that's it. Or no, I'll do six. Six for one more game that I'm not going to predict which game. I think there's going to be one choose more. Choose Ohio State, you coward. I can't. <laughs> I'm going to choose the Big Ten Championship game. How about that? How about that? How about that? So that, the, the, that Northwestern, shows, the Northwestern, the yeah, Northwestern yeah. game. <laughs> that shows that Michigan will beat Ohio State to get there, and then whatever the crappy West spits out at them. My man, I agree. <laughs> I, I'm with you 100. That's that would be six games. That'd be six good. Six games. Yeah. That's that's an incredible stat. 20 points is that line for Michigan from last year. Yeah. You know, with the inclusion of Gaddis, you, you didn't even say Michigan State, who Michigan just dominated. Who Michigan State didn't gain anyone from last year. In fact, they didn't even fire their advance coordinator. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. If there's one team that I didn't include there that should have been Michigan State, yeah. I'll still I'll still leave it at at, at what I said though. I'm not Michigan let, State. I'm not letting your knowledge sway me, David. <laughs> Michigan State boldly running the Brady Hoke offense. Oh man, their defense could could produce more points than their offense. They're... Likely will produce yeah. more points than that offense. Yeah, yes, sure. or yeah. special teams for that matter. Yep. Uh, okay, okay. Um, totally arbitrary, tie-breaking number. How many points will Michigan give up in 2019 on average? On average per game. On average per game. 22.7. You know what? That's fair because last year they gave up 19.4. Yeah. Yeah. That feels right. Okay. That does feel right. That, that feels very right. What would the, I don't know if what kind of Googling you'll have to do. What was the, so 22.7 I said, what, what would the stat be if that was in 2018 terms? Where would that rank if what? it was 22.7? Oh, where would that rank? Okay, yep. Just just go ahead and yeah, I'm gonna Google say this. some <laughs> say something for me why I think that's oh okay totally something we haven't talked about that we need to talk about interior defensive line this is totally off topic I'm just gonna talk so, about it do, because do, I, do. I wanted to I'm I'm nervous about that I, I mentioned it as my number two most nervous position uh, going into 2018 because. Um, Mainly because Dome Force hurt. So is Donovan Jeter going to be the starting three tech in the interior line? And besides him and Dome Four, you're looking at two true freshmen in Mozzie Smith. Found it. We're good. Chris Hinton. What? So, yeah, it's so, terrifying yeah. because the youth and inexperience plus youth equals massive question marks on the interior line. Yeah. As yeah. massive as the who's going to replace Avery Thomas, who's going to be a competent corner yeah. across from Levert Hill, right? Okay, 22.7 was your guess. I love it. This is That's a fun question. Do you want to guess who had the top defense for opponents' points per game last year and what their number was oh, before God. I do it anymore? This is going to be bad. It, it, Army? <laughs> Clemson. It was the national championship. Clemson? That yeah. makes sense. Do you want to guess yeah. what their number was? If Michigan... Here, let me tell you this. Michigan was 14th in the nation at 19.4 points per game. They were 19th? Is that what you said? They were 14th with 19.4. Oh, okay. And actually, Army was 13th at 18.5. Okay. So Clemson was first with how many points per game Ooh, given up? got to be like 14.8 or something. 13.6. You're good at this. Oh, that's, so, that's insane. That's scary defense. So, so 22.7 was your guess. Yeah. That that would put Michigan tied for 29th 
last season, in tied with Wyoming for 29th in between Northern Illinois and Iowa State. Okay, that that number feels about right. That does number feels yeah, about right. That's a, that's a field goal more than last year. Yep, feels right with the number of plays Gas will be running. But get this, that would put them behind Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan ranked 26th last year at 22.5 points per game. The Eagles are on the rise. They I are. Care, I, I don't care what you say, man. <laughs> it's what, the concrete jungle, the parking yeah. lot, the parking lot, the gray field, the parking oh, yeah. lot. Yeah, the, I, I'll tell you what, Chris Creighton. I yeah. mean, if you're a Mac athletic director, you hire a, D, a division two playoff coach every time. Yeah. You just do. You do. Yep. Yep. And yet, and yet, way to go. and yet, Bowling Green, my alma mater, a topic for another day, hired <laughs> the worst, only, I'm pretty sure, only coach left from the Lloyd Carr coaching tree. The oh, worst. No. Do you know who that is? I don't want to guess. <laughs> Scott Leffler. Tom, Tom Brady's former best friend for the 97, yeah, yeah, yeah. 98 team who had the worst offense in school history at Auburn, yeah. had the worst offense in school history at Virginia Tech, Yikes. had a below average offense at Boston College, and then got hired at Bowling Green to be their head coach. Ugh. It's tough. It's a tough time, the, the, man. The listeners can't see my face, but it is it is not a pretty facial expression. That's, this is, this that's is a rough a, one. <laughs> this is a matching rant right quick. <laughs> If you're going to hire a Michigan also ran as your head coach at Bowling Green, yes, you give Brady Hoke a call. You just do. Say Brady oh, yeah. Hoke. Brady Hoke, Ann Arbor is 45 minutes north of here. You can go back anytime you want, do whatever you want. <laughs> Please, at Bowling Green, we want you to get all of the Michigan transfers. Yeah. Because, because when you're 45 minutes from Ann Arbor, you're far enough away so the kids aren't going to eastern Michigan. They're going somewhere new, but it's not too far away. You take all the Michigan transfers, and and you make a solid squad out of that. Brady Hoke, for the rest of life, would be so content and happy at Bowling Green. He oh, would yeah. be. He would be. He'd be the perfect coach. He'd be the perfect Frank Solich for Bowling Green. Yep. 45 minutes from Ann Arbor. Um, uh, the perfect guy, and yet we hired Scott Leffler. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I want, I want more claps. In my bowling green. Uh, anyways. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. someday. Maybe someday. Um, <laughs> anyways, okay. You know what, Stephen? Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Do you have any rants you would like to say? I like ranting. I like giving my opinion. I talk too much. Talking too much right now. How would you mm. like to end the show? Give me something good, Stephen. All right. My one rant is we are not giving enough credit to... Uh, to Josh Metellus, we're, we're not. It was between him and Gill. I, I wanted to. I don't know. I feel like these the guys. The Flanagan boys. Yes. Yeah, Asterisk because they're both not Devin Bush Jr. But uh, Met- yeah, exactly. Metellus gets so much hate that it's it's ridiculous to me. He's going to be. And here's my hot take. He's going to be a first team All Big Ten. First team, baby. Do it. And he'll be a third team uh, All American. Josh Metellus. I love, you know, I love it. Watching Metellus play, rewatching the games from last season, he's got the swag and the confidence that only a player from South Florida coming up to Michigan to play can bring. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you could say that was one of the best recruiting packages in recent history for those three guys from that class. And, uh, 
yeah. So so Michigan Twitter support Metellus this year. He was really good last year outside of one, you know, or I guess in 2017 was the bad play. But every every player has a bad day or a bad play. Josh Metellus, I'm calling it first team All Big Ten. Show him some love this season. Safety's a, a, a thankless job. If you're being talked about, usually it is, it's it only is a yeah, job. it's only yeah. bad. So man, I'm, I'm pulling for Metellus, and I think everyone should uh, should be doing it as well. I agree. There's my rant. I'm with you. I think Metellus is going to have a great year. He he's a guy that we're going to look back on in a few years and be like, wow, he was a real baller. If yeah. he, if if he was not playing with Devin Bush. You know, didn't have the the quote unquote baggage of having Devin Bush as a high school teammate. Yep. I think we would be really high on him. I, the same way Tyree Cannell. Yeah. Cannell, I think, was looked at by Michigan fans as a below average player. Yeah. In the safety spot for Michigan for a few years, multiple years, because of a few bad plays. Yep. When in reality, I was thinking about this earlier. At least half of college football, D one college football, if not. 75%, if not the majority of P5 players, teams, if Cannell was starting for them, he would have been probably talked about as not only their best player, but like heads and shoulders, their best player. Yep. Um, yeah. And yet on Michigan, he was the sixth or seventh quote-unquote best player. You know, he led the team in tackles. Uh, I just think he would have gotten a lot more love. In the same way Metellus does. But I think Metellus, yeah. he's just a cocky son of a gun. <laughs> and in the best way possible. Yep, you'll see a oh, lot of them in, in the hype video. You'll you'll That's see right. a lot of them. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, Stephen, that was good. That was good. I like that. All right, um, the MGo Fish Show. Follow us on Twitter at MGo Fish. Follow me on Twitter at David Arnold Mi. Follow Stephen at Stephen Toski. You got it. Uh, and go and rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We're up to like 23 podcast or 23 podcasts, 23 reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, nice. We could use some more if we could get to like 50. I think the season is going to help. Yeah. Anyways, also fill out our season predictions. Um, Both offense survey, and defense. Pick them. Yeah, we've got the offense still open until the first game of the season. We're going to have the defense open until the first game of the season. Make your predictions. Have fun with it. Be confident. Do your thing. The winners yeah. will be brought on. You know, we got to bring them on for five minutes. You'll get your your time to spout off about how I'm wrong about Josh Metellus or whatever you want to talk about. So, so well, the, fill it out. Come say hi. The only problem yeah. is uh, the people who come in second after I win can get can get podcast time. That's you it. can you can talk about Bowling Green for five minutes if you win. I'll give Ooh, you that. How about Bowling Green and Toledo? <laughs> oh God! You know, it's kind of sad because you know I'm a Toledo student at this moment and a bowling yeah. green grad i still wear my bowling green stuff during rivalry week however Oof. however similar to michigan this is this is therapy right now for the final sure. end of this podcast um my freshman year bowling green beat toledo yeah and I, was, I was actually in the press box and it was family weekend so my dad was in there with me <laughs> and i was working in the communications department before i started working for the football team sure um halftime of that game it came out that Tiger Woods was in a very bad car accident last the night before. Oh yeah. And we thought we thought he might be like paralyzed. <laughs> oh, there's my child. Why don't you <laughs> ended up he wasn't in the car wreck, he was just in the you know, getting hit by his yeah. wife upside yeah. the head with a golf club. That that was the last time Bowling Green beat Toledo. Last time. Two thousand nine. Ten years. It's been ten years since Bowling Green beat Toledo, just like the Michigan Ohio State rivalry. And on that note, Stephen <laughs> 
<laughs> and my uh, high school has lost to our main rival Pioneer for 16 straight years. 16. Yeah. So between Pioneer, Bowling Green, and Michigan. <laughs> I, I'm a really bad luck charm. That's it. I got nothing else to say. Ellie might have something to say. Yeah. Little Ellie, can we get a go blue? Does she Does she say that? Can you say go blue? Can, can you say go blue? That's a no. Oh. We'll, we'll get We're her before there. the season. We'll, we'll get she, her to say it. Yeah, she, she just turned two this past weekend. So <laughs> not not quite there yet. But soon. Soon, soon. That was good timing. That was fun, Steven. That was fun. Yeah. All right, my man. Have a good one. Yeah. As always, go blue. Go blue, man. <laughs>